This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Lended Fintech Weekly News Roundup. My name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lended Fintech, alongside my good friend and, to- and colleague, Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Doing great. And we have uh, our special guest today, Tim Lee um, from Alchemy. How are you doing, Tim? Doing well. Always happy to be here. Thank you. Yep. Great. Great to have you back. Well, we got a lot of news to cover. Let's get right into it. I want to start with Newbank. I think we started with Newbank last week, but it is we didn't have any details then. So yeah. we, um, you know, they 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 filed their F one because it's a foreign company. It's, it's basically an S one, but uh, because they're not in not a US company, it's called an F one. We learned a lot. Um, they're trying to well, obviously they're doing an IPO, targeting a fifty billion dollar valuation. Um, but the thing that I was just most struck with, there was a couple of things in their um, in their F one that like they have forty eight million customers, and we've been tracking. They had they crossed twenty, and they crossed thirty, and forty eight million customers now, thirty five million monthly active. But the thing that was most astounding in the entire document, and mm-hmm. I didn't read every word, but I skimmed the whole thing. Um, cost of customer acquisition five dollars. There is not another digital bank on the planet, I don't think, that's got that. So yeah. just a, just a, they're super, they're such a strong company. And they don't, I know they don't spend, and they've, they've, David has said they don't spend on market, in money on marketing. They rely on word mm-hmm. of mouth. And you can see that's true, $5. Yeah. Yes. The funny thing is that, that there's, there's not many that can do that. Uh, you know, they're the first, they were the first in Brazil. They've made such inroads that it's become such a brand name and, um, you know, synonymous, um, you know, with fintech uh, in Brazil that, you know, it's it's funny because it, their success makes it significantly harder for others who need to probably spend three, four, five times the amount of marketing times, dollars, probably. 10 yeah. times, yeah, 10 times. Uh, than uh, New Bank would ever think about spending. Uh, and, uh, you know, the cost, $5, I mean, you're probably... The average one is probably three hundred to four hundred, if not mm-hmm. five hundred per customer. Yes, um, it's it's crazy. The credit card space, you can easily spend seven to eight hundred dollars per credit card customers, right? With JP Morgan Chase of the world. But to put put into perspective, and by the way, congrats to New Bank. I know the um, the ex CFO, good friend of mine, he lives in Los Angeles. Hopefully, he's hmm. happy. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, he's got some Brazil, stocks. Got some stocks <laughs> as well, right? There are just about. 300 million people in brazil mm-hmm. and these guys got 45 million 48 customers. yeah 48, they got exactly that's insane that's dominant that's domination you know we yep, have yep. more than close to 20 percent, 10 percent of the entire population that uses your product it's insane uh yeah it, and it's like know, jp morgan in the u.s was 320 million people 60 million uh yep, by jp morgan right. i mean it's it's on Similar. that scale yeah it really and is and they're gr- and they're adding two million a month. So that's right. You that's know, JP Morgan Chase's speed as well. When I worked at JP Morgan Chase, it was two million, 
but they are tried a bunch of you know one one and a half million every 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 month as well. But yeah, it's unbelievable. And but yeah. JP Morgan Chase for sure doesn't have a five dollar per customer <laughs> acquisition cost for sure. I don't. I I I challenge any fintech on the planet to 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 come up with. Uh, that kind of customer acquisition, I think it's a, yeah. it's a phenomenon, and that's why we talk about them a lot here. Uh, you know, we had David Velez, the CEO, on our, our last LATAM event, and uh, hope trying to get him to come to our USA event next year. Now that they're going to be traded in the US, so anyway, let's move on. Um, other big news: uh, we're going to enter the crypto space right away, or the stablecoin space. <laughs> So the Biden administration, we've, we know that we knew this was coming. Um, the the president's working group on financial markets, which is some, there's some pretty heavy hitters in this group, like Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell. Um, they are, the, the, this is a they've they've basically called for stablecoin regulation. They want to, they want Congress to act. Um, now Congress isn't very good at acting, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but. They basically have said if Congress doesn't act, we're going to, you know, existing regulatory uh, authorities will will act. Um, you know, they want basically they want stablecoin issuers to be insured depository institutions, which is a huge change from from where they are. Um, they want AML enforcement for anyone who's doing a, uh, di- issuing a digital wallet. So this is this is pretty, I mean, pretty heavy handed in, in in a lot of ways, um, and. You know, it like doesn't look like, like it's not like crypto crashed or anything. Well, stable coins suddenly became, went out of favor when this came down. But um, you know, they've they've made it clear that they they want this to be a regulated space. Yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of mixed messages between uh, the White House, the SEC, <laughs> right? Any of these regulatory bodies. On one hand, SEC threatening sue Coinbase because they don't want them to collect interest on these. Dips. These investments. On the other hand, uh, the the Federal Reserve wants to rush some kind of a version of digital currency to compete with other people in the world. Uh, I'm. Uh, we talk about this stuff in our fintech class at USC almost every week. It just feels like we don't. You know, it, it's like what it. What does our government really want? Regulation, killing it completely, or actually regulate it and give us some rule book to play with it. Um, but certainly, I feel like. Um, you know, we want innovation, but on the other side, uh, we we uh, we don't want people just to go go crazy with this with this stuff. I, I'm getting a lot of mixed messages from the government lately. Yeah, I, I think they're struggling with it. To be honest yeah. with you, I, I don't think it's the. Uh, I think they're giving us mis- mixed messages in many ways because they're not sure themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they, you know, there's lots of different pieces to this. There's the stablecoin piece then there's also the the defi uh, angle in mm-hmm. terms of if you want to go out and, and talk about you know the broader industry and i don't think they have a full grasp of how, how can all these pieces play together when you have to include things like kyc aml and, and certain regulatory requirements um when some of these players or the crypto enthusiast is is certainly mm-hmm wanting outside of that they want anonymity they want um decentralization so i think there's we're looking at you know kind of this mixed bag of things for a little while now because frankly i don't think much and much of congress understands this yeah Uh, and so you're probably going to get to some vague bill or something and they're going to kind of kick it to the financial regulators 
the FDIC has said some nice things and some uh, reasonable and, and level-headed things, and then the SEC hasn't. So it's I think we're going to have this tug and pull and, and kind of mixed bag for a little while before we get real clarity, which is which is really a shame for a lot of the companies. Yeah, and, and it's also it's coming it's coming down along party lines where the Democrats say we just got to protect consumers at all costs. It doesn't matter what the consequences are, and the Republicans, you know, with Congressman Henry wrote a um, he he wrote a piece about the um, this report, basically saying we 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 can't stifle innovation. We've got to, you know, the U.S. Mm-hmm. has been the, the leader in uh, in financial services uh, for decades, and um, we don't want to squander that because this is, yeah. uh, you know, so, you know, I think uh, I'm, I'm coming down on Congressman mm-hmm. McHenry's side right here. We, we really, because the thing is we are, we live in a world that is pretty easy to go move to another country. Um, uh, have your, you can actually, your headquarters in another country. No, we all, we can all work remotely from anywhere. So right. it's, yeah. uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, they don't come down too heavy handed. Anyway, Let's move on to climate change because this is obviously the, the topic of the week. We had the COP26 summit kickoff in, uh, in Glasgow. Um, not, uh, I think it was just over the weekend, right? So they've, I know that um, they're, they're still, apparently it's two weeks. I know that all the, all the world leaders have left, but uh, they're, 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 uh, the people who do the real work are still there doing the real work. But Mark Carney, who used to be the um, head of the, the, the Central Bank of Canada and the, and the Bank of England, um, now he works for the UN. And he, is, uh, he has um, basically this group inside the UN where he's got a, he's got these, a bunch of financial services companies to sign on. These companies represent $130 trillion in assets. Now, I don't know how many assets are in the world, but it's like, I don't think that's a, it's a pretty decent, decent percentage, I would think. It's a good chunk. It's a good chunk. So basically, totally like banks are now going to the, – these organizations are going to incorporate you know, carbon emissions and climate change I think, mm-hmm. into their lending decisions, into, into, into all areas of their business. So this, the reason I wanted to bring it up this week is because – we haven't even started this in fin- like climate tech and fintech. We've barely started, and I think it's going to be massive. It's going to be a, yes. it's just going to be such a massive industry, and and um, yes. you know we're just we're just getting going. I feel like about twenty thirty percent of the one or two trillion dollar um, uh, climate bill that's being negotiated in Congress is earmarked for green energy, specifically solar. Uh, Alchemy, actually, we are launching four solar panel financing companies on our platform. Wow. One of them is actually in Latin America. So these cool. are huge uh, things happening. I think everybody's waiting for the climate bills to come in. Think about a trillion dollars flushing the entire solar market. Somebody's got to run that finance and the installation, of course. So yep. we are hurrying up here in our four walls to to build out, finish out the, uh, the solar lending uh, platform um, for a lot of uh, the, you know, fintechs or solar right. techs, if you will. And it's, beca- right. it's, it's becoming very, very apparent pretty quickly that if you don't go in this direction, you know, it's going to be a, a negative impact on your business. You mm-hmm. know, it's, you have, you know, the older generation, the, you know, those that have just retired or looking at retire might not think of it as core, though they're, you know, mm-hmm. are, are certainly a, a, a significant amount that do. But the younger generation are, I mean, Peter, you're, you, 
say many, many times how conscious your your children are, and yep. they're pretty young. Um, and the pressure is just going to keep ratcheting up on on doing things in a way that is sound, um, that mm. you know offsets uh, the carbon imprint, and without things like this, soon it's going to be kind of this this list of basically those that are climate friendly and and doing things quote unquote the right way, and basically a blacklist of those that aren't mm-hmm. that'll find soon enough if they don't yeah. that they need well, to get their act together quickly. Eventually they're going to have to, I mean, they're even talking about, you know, like big steel and concrete making companies um, doing that, that do a tremendous amount of damage to the environment, but they're mm-hmm. talking about really getting those kinds of companies doing different mm-hmm. processes, making it, yes. making it harder, more expensive for them if they don't change. And uh, yeah, I, I think South Korea, Poland, Chile has made promises in this uh, conference to stop financing coal production or financing right. new coal plants, right? So some of these nations are uh, really come to the table to reduce carbon footprint. Yeah, because well, that's the thing. The, 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 I mean, you, I know you can, you can argue um, whether banks should be really um, making policy decisions, but, uh, but banks have the power to end this right now. If, mm-hmm. if, if the banks of the world yep. came together and said, we're not, we're not going to finance coal. Yeah. I think Larry, Larry think of uh, BlackRock made a lot of statements about not investing, yep. you know, in, um, in carbon positive companies. Yep. Anyways. Anyway, let's move on. Next story is, <laughs> is just quantifying the surge of VC interest in FinTech, which we have talked about many times on the show here oh. and it continues, but we have some numbers Q3 from CB Insights coming coming in with uh, $31 billion raised across 1,185 deals. Of those, 94 were more than $100 million. So this, uh, yeah, we're on track to do $120 billion this year. This is like more than the last two years, three years combined. So it's, this just, it, it, we, we, we've known this is happening and now CB Insights are providing the raw, the raw data. It is boom time in fintech still. You know what's funny is that uh, it felt a lot more apparent last summer, not this past summer, but into fall last year and into the winter mm-hmm. about the talk of a uh, bubble that seems mm-hmm. to have completely disappeared, even though the numbers <laughs> just keep skyrocketing. It's like all talk of bubble has disappeared. Um, yet the, I, it, there's some of it, but yeah. almost every day you, you probably, I mean, I mean, I watched CNBC Bloomberg pretty much daily. And there was a lot of fear late last year into early this year. And that fear is just not as nearly as apparent now. It's maybe, you know, occasionally they'll cover it, but that's how kind of I gauge where where things are are going. And then you see the raw data that a report like this does. Mm -hmm. And it's just staggering how much money is going into fintech, how much cheap capital uh, was out there the last few years, and now how much of that is being put to work. Yeah. I mean, our government kept on printing money, right? That that money's got to go somewhere into the stock market, which we're hitting all-time highs, right? 60-second times that NASDAQ or one of these exchanges went to all-time highs. And obviously, that money has to flush to be invested somewhere. Um, that's 12, that's $10 billion a month right. of the investment. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, uh, we're minting unicorns left and right. There's a like 100 unicorns right now in fintech space, but I'm not surprised. It's mainstream now. As opposed to a fad, maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, when you see companies like New Bank, I think that sort of lifts those sort of companies lift all boats because they're, they're the, they, 
50 billion valuation yeah. there and they're going to be the most valuable financial institution in all of Brazil. Um, and that's, you know, I think those sorts of things, we, we see what's possible with, with that. So, so moving on to another really hot topic by now, pay later just continues to be hot. So we've talked about super apps, um, you know, Klarna is the latest. We had, we've had PayPal launching a super app. I'm not sure who else have launched them, but uh, Coinbase. Coinbase, yeah. So Klarna have want to have the shopping super app, and <laughs> I haven't. I mean, I haven't downloaded it and had a good look, but it is. It sounds great on in, in, in you know in, in principle, like all do all of your shopping, not just uh, not just with Klarna, um, you know not just stores that are partnered with Klarna, but do all your shopping. You got all, all of the say, all the coupons and deals that can be in there. You can manage your, obviously your payments. Um, you can put anything on, you know, buy now, pay later. You've got all your loyalty programs. You can track deliveries, all this inside the one app. Um, and the, one of the things that's really cool is that the, you, like, as I said, you can, you can go with any store. They're working with virtual one-time use um, card numbers. So, right. But you can then put in those card that those numbers trigger the the buy now pay later program um, there, and it's all manageable in the app. Uh, you know this this is um, I, I I don't know if there's going to be one winner on the super app front, but uh, when it comes to this, but Klarna, and we know how many users they have, they they're doing they're doing a phenomenal job. I think we should get rid of the term super app um, because it implies that you can just do everything. In that app, which I mean, I, I haven't met. <laughs> I haven't met. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's just it's Clara, It's a super shopping app. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. the I don't know. It feels like there. It's more of a marketing ploy than anything else. But um, you know, it's you know the the shifting credit offerings these days. It's just it's fascinating to watch how specific they're getting how ubiquitous they're getting i mean it's just it's so easy so simple um everyone's offering it whether it's you know Mm -hmm. a chase credit card you can then you know do that pay later uh uh that one big transaction on your on your credit card it's you know it's it's fascinating to see how credit is evolving i don't think any credit product itself will win uh but i think the credit will continue to shift uh, mm-hmm. around into different yeah. forms i yep. want to say by now pay, pay later is a credit bubble you know shifting this stuff out enjoy now pay later is ingrained in people's head but you know you read some of the latest reports the default rates are doubling tripling right at the end of the day you know the creditor is going to have to say wait wait a minute hold on a second right this is all great you're putting a lot of volume on our balance sheet but the default rates are uncontrollable we gotta we gotta now start underwriting a little bit more um, I think there's going to be a come to Jesus moment. In, in yeah, credit. for sure. But I think there will be that. But the, 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 the fact is consumers love this product. They may not, they, they should be controlled in how they use it. But that's, that's where we, what, what the lending space have been working on for the last decade is instant, instant underwriting. I mean, I think that, um, I think it was Upstart. I think I heard Dave Gerard say that, uh, I think was it was it 80 or 90%? I can't remember, but it was a huge percentage of Upstart um, customers now that hunt automated completely automated underwriting. That's what we need to get mm-hmm. to. So we can, people like this, they might, you might say, okay, you can't, you can't buy those $250 pair of shoes, um, but you can buy a hundred dollar pair of jeans, whatever that's, you know, that they want the day. I, I agree with you, Tim. I think the the fact that some of these companies do no underwriting. And I think that's, um, it's that's where, that, that's that's where it needs away. to, 
yeah, the sh- the shift needs to change. A the the a bit more standard across the platforms. Um, they also need to give people credit for good payments, uh, not only just bad payments. Right now, it's very mm-hmm. uneven, and I think yeah. they need just some some standardization across. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of this uni- Here's the buy now, pay later yeah. you know, standard that they I'm, need to at least reach. Remember back in the days when Prosper Lending Club was dominating the personal lending space. There was a whole hoopla about, hey, the people are double borrowing. I'm borrowing from Lending Club, borrowing yeah. Prosper, and borrowing from it. You know, and then there's a there's kind of a credit loss bubble. I don't think there's anybody tracking all the BNPL activities, right? How do we know this consumer is not doing ten of these BNPLs that right. make make well, them not, uh, less yeah. affordable? Yeah, if it's not equally reported, then we have no idea. Right, exactly. And I think some of these buy now, pay later guys are having a, a little bit of problem reporting back to their credit bureaus because the credit bureau needs to catch up on what this is. Well, some of them just some of them just make it as part of their. I think it was Afterpay that make it as part of their marketing pitch that they don't report anything. Right, but so, if you don't report, we don't know. And then everybody else is giving these guys same person buy now, pay later. The affordability to pay it is going to be blown out of water. Anyway, you know, and, and I'm, all I'm, everyone I'm, sees is oh, there's no interest, no interest. But then all of a sudden. You have too many, you miss a payment Payments. or two, and now you have interest, right. interest, interest, and then you have a uh, an annoyed customer all Not at the same clash. time who's yeah. overextended himself and is mad for a variety of reasons. So it's, right. I mean, it's part of it's just going through growing pains and figuring out where the, the markers are. Um, and I think you'll probably see some regulatory action on BMPL sometime soon. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about an IPO that happened this week, Kakao Pay. They're in South Korea. We don't very often go talk about South Korea on the show here, but um, no. they are they're another phenomenon. Um, they, you know, they've they've got they raised one point three billion at a nine billion valuation. They went public in South Korea, so it's all in South Korean won. I think is the currency. They're the largest payments app in South Korea by a long way. They they basically it started off as a messaging app. Um, and then it's you know like uh, kind of like WeChat um, did in the in China. They uh, they add they added payments, and now they've got you know thirty six point five million users. Now I, I imagine that can't all be in South Korea. I I just checked South Korea's population before uh, before we came on here, and it's like fifty something million. And yeah, so, 50, yeah, 60 million. Yeah, so it is you know they're not they're not. Um, they got, they have they are outside of South Korea. There's no question about that. But they're, you know, they've done very very well. Um, and I think you know you're going to have, uh, I feel like, a company that's um, you know, domin- dominating that that area of the world outside of China. Ant Financial was one of their largest investors. Um, they've they think they've done very well under that investment. So, uh, you know, you're going to have this whole Southeast Asia is still a huge market. Relatively untapped, and Kakao Pay is going after him. I have never heard of this company, but <laughs> good, good for them. That's incredible. 30 million users. This is insane. Yeah. I don't have much to add on this one either. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I wanted to put it in because I feel like we, uh, mm. yeah, we need to pay attention to some of these. Now that we don't go to China anymore, um, we could, uh, you know, we need to pay yeah. attention to the, that, that part of the world. So, okay, we can move on though. I want to go back to regulation. This is a CNBC article that caught my eye just today, and um, talking about the, 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 the headline is "DeFi: The Wild West of Crypto is Next on Regulators' Hit List." And you know, it really 
I mean, DeFi has, um, you know, escaped a whole lot of, um, you know, the, with the regulators, the regulators talk about Coinbase, they're talking about stable coins now. Um, DeFi, they haven't really talked about it much, but there's, there's in this piece, the, what I didn't realize was that there's this, um, there was a, um, an AML watchdog financial action task force um, that uh, released guidance on crypto uh, last week. And basically, you know, they're, they're talking about if you're, you know, you, we need to be able to control like if like the DeFi is decentralized finance. So sometimes it's, you know, there's no, there's no company that you can regulate. There's, there's, you know, it's yeah. even like there's a um, oftentimes not clear leadership, but they're saying the people that start DeFi platforms the, the the founders need to need to have some uh you know basically they, they 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 need to be held accountable and so you know DeFi, it's it is the wild west i mean it's gone over a hundred billion dollars in um locked up capital there and it is no one no one i mean talk about if you can't if you can't regulate stable coins you got no chance of regulating no DeFi um because it's much it's going to be much harder because it's just it's you know we don't know some of these places. Sometimes the they're uh, they're in like multiple countries. They're they're governing force. There's no one, no 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 easy way to regulate them. I don't That's think right. DeFi as it is currently constituted is the DeFi that will come under a regulatory body. I think it'll you know it's pieces of it will end up in the financial system, but. The way in which it's currently designed, with you know total decentralization, like that's the regulators aren't going to allow that. Uh, there needs to be recourse. There needs to be understanding of who's doing what with what money, um, and I think we're probably a ways away from true clarity from the regulators. But there's no way they're just going to allow mm-hmm. the the current you know setup of DAOs and stuff like that to to fly easily without clear rules of here's the head and here's how the, the rest of the organization, at least from a, a recourse standpoint, because if something happens, someone has to be held liable. That's right. He, uh, this is Chris Larson's original vision. Remember Chris Larson? Yep. Sure. Co-founder, founders of Prosper. This DeFi stuff is, it's essentially peer to peer lending, uh, you pour gasoline on it. My students are doing this, borrowing uh, their coins in their wallet, uh, lending them out to other people, earning interest and fees. It's absolutely insane. And there's no accountability. There's no note you need to sign or anything like that. It's just a, it's just a contract on Ethereum, if you will. Right. 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 I'm going to give this to you for two, 20 minutes. I'm going to earn 6% interest. God knows what the other person is doing using that, those coins. Probably betting on something else, even more, <laughs> uh, have an even riskier arbitrage. Right. But these kids are earning money. But sometimes I'll, I'll talk to my students and say, hey, I just lost a bunch of money because I didn't know what I was doing. Because it sounded like I could borrow at 6%, but they charged me a $2,000 gas fee on my coin. Right. That I borrowed. right. It com- it's completely, it just, unregulated to no ends but it, it's to me it's just straight up gambling yeah nobody really no, there knows. is there, there, there is certainly an element to that and i think that when and it's gonna it's gonna really get turbocharged once once the um proof of uh proof of state comes in versus the proof of work which ethereum right. is being based on now but there's billions being being lent and borrowed 
billions right. at yeah. any given time. And it's going to it's going to explode. I mean, like it, it could be ten x this time next year, where we are now. Um, and then we're going to then regulators are going to be scratching their head. I mean, I don't I don't envy them. It's, it's, it's a tough job. But anyway, I want to end um, on this story that actually originally I glossed over this, but I, I went back and looked because this is uh, this is a story from Australia, um, actually Australia and the US for that matter. Um, this is a Commonwealth Bank of Australia the CBA. They're the largest bank in Australia. They are. They have. A, they have just over one trillion Australian dollars in assets, which is about, depending on the day, seven hundred and fifty billion in US dollars, which would make them the number five largest bank in the US. This is a large bank. They are the first large bank to offer crypto trading inside their banking app. Now, I think that's that. that that's pretty cool. I mean, I went back and looked, and there's none of the none of the american banks are offering this um inside their app this is the largest bank in australia they're offering you know basically it's going to be like a coinbase account you got they got 10 10 different crypto assets obviously the biggies like like bitcoin and ethereum gemini um is providing the custodian service services chainalysis is providing the anti-fraud uh, analysis there and um you know, this someone has to be first as the first big bank, and uh, you know it's it's happening in Australia, and I think it's um, good, go the Aussies to take the lead. <laughs> I don't think the U.S. banks might not even be allowed to do something like this. But um, yeah, I mean, this is to me, this is all this stuff is fascinating. Whether it's DeFi and how that can be regulated, crypto um, exchanges and, and trading inside bank apps, like. We're in a whole new world right now, and I think is um, now. I think regulators can do their part to help that world. They can also squash it. Uh, so I think it's a fine line, uh, but I think we also need to let some of this play out um, to give us an understanding of of where the borders can go, because then you can ultimately kind of find the borders. Mm-hmm. But if you have no understanding where the borders could go out to, it makes it even harder to to make a border that's fair. So to me, I think stuff like this is just fascinating, um, and you know, good for them and, and good for for Gemini and, and yeah. Chainalysis as well. This whole thing just hasn't hurt the regular uh, uh, folks like you and I yet. Not like yeah. the uh, 2008 2009 downturn when everybody's in it together, right? Folks that are trading, betting, losing, are folks that that was sitting on coins already. This wealth they created didn't exist before. Um, you know, the only thing that we I can I can hang my head on is uh, is this uh, ProShares, you know, um, Bitcoin strategy ETF. That's a big deal. A couple of weeks ago, right? Yep. They're trading at about thirty, forty dollars. I don't know how they're actually indexing against all the coins, but it's slowly coming. Even some of the biggest critics, like Jamie Dimon, for example, have softened his tone a little bit recently. Um, we'll yeah, I mean, <laughs> what what they're saying, what 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 the Commonwealth Bank said is that they saw they saw like hundreds of thousands of their own customers they could tell by the outgoings of their credit cards and uh, and, and and debit cards and bank transactions transactions. they're saying that they're, they're buying they're, they're sending this money to crypto exchanges that's right so may as well, as well hug them around and bring them back exactly. <laughs> it's a smart move yeah, yeah it's yeah. also looking at the data yep exactly anyway we are out of time um thank you todd thank you tim um Great chatting with you guys, and uh, thank you to the audience uh, for tuning in. We'll be back same time next week. Before we go, just one quick plug. Latin America, um, the hottest region of the world. Lend at FinTech LATAM happening December 7th and 8th. Go to lendit.com. 
you got to be there. Get your tickets now. Get your tickets now, indeed. And um, with that, we will wish you uh, a good afternoon, evening, and uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Have a good weekend. See you, Tim. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks again, Tim. Bye. Bye.